OKest Fisher Podcast, part of the OKest Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. Hey there, welcome back to the OKest Fisher Podcast. I'm coming at you from the OKest Fisher Podcast studio. It's a little nicer than saying the basement, isn't it? <laughs> How are we doing? Still not... Doing pretty good. How are you doing, Greg? I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> Did you survive uh, the episode last week without me? I, I managed to survive without <laughs> you. It was a little, well, bombed, a little bummed, but we had a good guest. I didn't botch it too bad other than the weird ending at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That makes us pretty okay. Awkward. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Where's the music? Well, apparently I didn't turn the volume up. <laughs> you could hear it on your end, though. I certainly could. What have you been up to? Not a whole lot. Just kind of working on stuff around the house and trying to sneak out fishing when I can. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I now have a 200-amp service in my house, which I'm pretty happy about, so... Going to be ready to throw the old wrecking ball through a couple of the rooms in this house probably next year after my savings account recovers. <laughs> yeah. And you got nice. a patio going on. I do. It should be wrapped up this weekend if all goes well. And then I can actually do a lot more fishing. Fingers crossed. We need to get out on the big pond. Yes. We're going to make that happen probably in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we definitely are because uh, the uh, the freezer is very empty of salmon. <clears throat> yeah, we got to fill it. Mine's been empty for about six months now, we, so we need to we need to fix that problem. Well, perfect. Who do we got today? I believe we are talking to none other than Mister Hunter Engelman. How are you, Hunter? Doing good. How are you doing, guys? Oh, can't complain. And if you Oops. complain, nobody wants to hear about it anyway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So uh, you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, why we got you on the podcast. Um, yeah, let us know. Yeah, so I'll start off. Uh, my name is Hunter Engelman, uh, 24 years old. I'm, I live in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, so right by <clears throat> the old pond with Lake Winnebago. Um, I am a full-time licensed journeyman electrician, uh, so that that keeps me occupied through the day, but uh, once the sun goes down, then I kind of switch gears a little bit. Uh, I am a bow fisherman. I'm a licensed bow fishing captain through the state of Illinois, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, uh, the United States Coast Guard. I carry my captain, my captain's credential. Uh, so I, I used to shoot turn. I used to compete in uh, the Wisconsin tournament series. Now I basically stick to fun shooting through the week when I can, and then I reserve my Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights for hitting the water, taking new clients out on the water, getting people introduced into the sport. Uh, I've been doing it since I graduated high school, basically in 2017. So feels like a decade ago, um, but I've grown from just a little 14-foot rowboat, starting with a little trolling motor and a spotlight, uh, with some buddies and grew into uh, what I have now, which is a full, you know, 20 foot commercial flat bottom boat specifically designed for killing as many fish as we can out on the water. 
That sounds so, awesome. So you're you're force feeding some carp is what you're doing. Force feeding them with fiberglass. Yep. That doesn't sound like a bad gig. One whatsoever. Yeah. Matt, have you ever done any of that? Yeah, I've actually been out with this guy before. Have you really? No, no. Been a while. It's been a while. It, go figure. It has been. Awesome. I, yep. My experience was very long ago. Uh, probably in the mid nineties when I was a kid pedaling my bike between the dam and the other parts of the river where I used to live, um, toting my youth bow. And it was basically a big spool that threaded into where the stabilizer goes. It's just a big round plastic spool with I think 80 pound Dacron on it. And it was a fiberglass shaft and I was shooting carp out of the shallows, um, on the rock river and, Shot a few, not not real good, but I remember getting on my bike with the bow, pedaling into town to go by the dam because there were so many carp there, and the police department pulling me over saying, you can't do that. <laughs> in town? In town. Was, was, was majorly frowned upon. You know, dumb kid from the country, just, uh, you know, pedaling, pedaling my huffy, trying to get down there, and, and the officer saw me and went, ah, that doesn't look right. Kid with a bow, things are Bad, things are going to end poorly with that. So I was <laughs> escorted home and uh, never to bring the bow out again for, wow. for carp. <laughs> so I chased him with a spear instead. <laughs> so, uh, Hunter, what actually got you into bow fishing? Kind of a random, you know, progression from normal fishing to bow fishing. What got you into it? Out the ball, yeah. I mean, I've... Uh through my family and stuff, we've been in the outdoors our entire lives, you know, shooting a, shooting a little youth bow and arrow and casting a line before we could even walk basically. Um, so started young and I just happened to have a family friend that lived nearby. And he said, he asked my brother and I, you want to try bow fishing? I'm like, yeah, you know, and, um, looked up to him at the time. He had a little, he had a 14 foot boat. He had a, a wooden deck with halogen lights on it, the work lights from Menards. Yeah. <laughs> and he had the loudest generator you have ever heard in your life. And it stood, it sat right in the middle of the boat, big old Predator, like 9,000 watt generator, <laughs> just <laughs> rattling your skull. You couldn't think, you couldn't hear nothing. <laughs> it definitely wasn't no high-end job site generator, was it? Oh, oh, oh. No, no, no. And we, we went out the first night, and I tell you what, I didn't even shoot a fish the first night. I was just so awestruck at the the environment, the, the opportunities we had to see not only the carp, the invasives that we were targeting, but also other native fish like the gar and snapping turtles and muskrats and ducks. And, I mean, it, it's a whole new world, like Ariel would say in The Mermaid. <laughs> I mean, it's, you wouldn't believe what's under the water. And when you can go there at night, light that water up and you get to experience that firsthand. I mean, I, it's hard to describe it without someone actually experiencing it. So I, I mean, that hook was set right away. I knew, like, I knew it was going to be my thing, you know, and when I fall into something, I fall hard. So that I didn't even get a fish that, that next day. I bought a reel, an AMS bow fishing reel for my youth compound bow I had at the time, slapped it on there. And that weekend as a junior in high school, I went and bought a 
little 14 foot John boat. Uh, we threw some plywood and two by 12s. We stacked the two by 12s vertical and then put the plywood on top. Same thing he did, went to Menards and bought the 500 watt halogen burning hot shop lights, threw them on there, threw a generator on there. And, um, it was almost two to three weeks till I got my first cart. And I'll bet and that first one was like super awesome. It was during the day we were. So get this. So, um, you guys, you're from the area, you, you're familiar with Moffy Light Campground, um, by the Kettle Moraines, like the Kettle Moraines State Forest area. No, I'm not, but okay. Yeah. We have a buddy, our buddy Derek lives not far from there. Gotcha. So I grew up near there. And so the, the Moffy Lake itself is a, it's a, you can't hunt there. So you couldn't even hold a bow there. So we actually had to, um, you know, close our bows and put them in a case and put the arrows separate. Um, so we had that, we trolled all the way up through Moffy Lake, all the way up through the river until it got to a public, you know, public water. Mm-hmm. Um, we were way up there and I tell you, I didn't know what, we didn't know what we were doing. The first fish I hit was during the day. I stuck it and it took off and I tried slowing the fish down and I didn't even know how to tie the, the string from the reel to the arrow. And my double knot fell out and the fish was swimming away with my arrow in it. My only arrow we had. <laughs> so we ended up chasing the fish for what felt like miles and finally slowed it down enough. We were able to get it alongside the boat, you know, push the arrow into it and then pull the fish in the boat. But that was quite the experience for the for the first fish that I've ever gotten. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, the first time I ever went bow fishing was with you. I think I, I have a, I had a bow fishing rig, and we would do the same thing: stand up on the piers. My buddy lived off the Rock River, and we would just, you know, try to shoot them when they were coming through. And obviously, missed 150 times and didn't understand where to aim or anything like that. And then yeah. we went up with you, and yeah, you clarified where we had to aim. And I think you said when you aim below it, and then when you think you're far enough below it aim a little farther and then when you think you're far enough then aim another 12 inches lower exactly. and you're still going to shoot high <laughs> man people don't believe me when i tell them you know your experience is your biggest enemy you know if you are an archer your whole life you understand that you see the target aim at the target and i tell you what if you're bow fishing and you aim at the carp you see in the water you will never hit it zero percent of the time you know that refraction plays such a, a factor in it and you know the the more the more you know repetition you have in your mind of you know shooting archery your whole life it actually kind of becomes a roadblock for you where you like i understand like people tell me they're like i understand i need to aim lower i physically cannot force myself to aim lower <laughs> so it's, it's tough it's, it's a battle. It's a it's hard very- thing to get around. But yeah, like you said, the re- refraction, you got to worry about that and aim, aim low. And yep. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I learned the hard way, missing a lot of fish, right? breaking equipment. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So what, what fish, I mean, we kind of know what we're talking about, but what, what fish are you actually targeting when you actually go out bull fishing? You're not shooting walleye. You're not shooting bass. You're shooting nothing like that. You're shooting... What are you shooting? Yeah, so we're we're shooting what people call the trash fish. 
Um, anything that you catch on a hook and line and you're excited about, we're not allowed to shoot. So anything you'd be excited about. So we, we shoot the, specifically our number one target is the common carp. Uh, they've infested basically every lake, river, system, creek, waterway in the entire state, as well as the United States. Um, their re- reproduction system is unlike any other fish that the, that the United States has. I mean, they reproduce sometimes two to three times a year with two million eggs at a crack, 90% sex successfully fertilized, 80% successfully hatched. I mean, if, if we were saying those numbers about walleyes, oh, my gosh, could you imagine the fishery they would have? <laughs> they better have food to go along with that fishery, you know. But Yeah. Yeah, and that's crazy, the amount of reproduction the carp have. They grow so fast in one year from, you know, that minnow, in one year they'll grow 13 inches in length. Wow. In that's one crazy. year. And there's, no, there's no, no more natural predators, you know. So the Wisconsin DNR in our area, there is no season. There is no limit. Any way you can get these carp out of the waterway, they're all for it, however you want to do it. Yeah. I grew up actually dip netting them, you know, with, with uh, you know, uh, six by six or eight by eight yeah. dip nets. And we built our own pulley systems and everything and would go off a couple of the local bridges and, there were times we we dip net between my my dad and myself over two hundred common carp, and then we go, wow. then we then we would get some buffalo carp, which are actually natives. Yes, aren't so bad. I didn't I didn't mind letting them go if if I had to let one go, that would be the one to let go. Right, um, and and suckers, you know, and then we get some some dogfish, and on occasion we might get a gar or, or something else, but most of the time it was a lot of the the you know the common carp. Right. And it's now you said common carp is what you normally target, but what can you actually shoot with a bow or, you know, shoot with bow fishing equipment? So I'll start off with the two that are most controversial is the catfish, the flathead catfish and the channel catfish. Now, legally, we are allowed to bow fish them, um, but that is lake to lake dependent. So if your lake has a no flathead, you can't keep any flathead catfish. Same thing, you're not allowed to bowfish them. If you have a slot limit, you need to abide to that by bowfishing, which obviously it's hard to do. So how do you know a flathead's between 32 and 46 inches or something like that, you know? I mean, you can't judge that, so it's best to let them be, you know? Mm-hmm. And my philosophy with the catfish is, you know, people fish for catfish. I mean, there's tournaments. There's people that live, eat, sleep, breathe yeah. catfish. So my position is if we see a channel catfish and it's legal, if we see a flathead catfish and it's legal, the only way I'm going to allow you to harvest that fish is if you bring it home with you and we cook it up and we utilize the meat. Yep. Um, I'm one of the few people that have that stance, but I firmly believe that that's the best approach in this situation. Um, So that's the controversial one. The rest are open are open for game. So your carp, you have your common carp, your mirror carp, your buffalo carp, which is actually a sucker. The buffalo carp is a in the sucker family. The rest of the carp are in a are in the minnow family. Uh, but you can harvest them. There's butterfly carp. There's the koi, the colored carp. There's goldfish. There's 
uh, white suckers, red horse suckers, dogfish, sheephead, uh, yellow bullhead, black, spotted, hybrid bullhead, uh, long nose gar, short nose, spotted gar. Uh, man, I mean, there is uh, quillback carp sucker, the, the high fin carp sucker. Um, there is a, you know, some people don't realize there is a large number of fish that we're legally allowed to harvest with a bow and arrow. Um, oh, that's that's awesome. I do like how you said, too, you, you got that many fish to harvest. Do you have to worry about the catfish? Like, right. no, you got you got thirty other species you could shoot. You know, you know, like you were saying, people target them with line, hook, line, and sinker, and exactly. just, just let them be. You know, well, it's not two flatheads do a really good job of eating young carp. Yeah, they, they eat a lot of young carp. In fact, they they planted them in Lac La Belle probably in the late eighties, early nineties in Oconomowoc just to yeah. try and clean some of the carp out of there. And they've got some mammoth flatheads in that lake. Oh, we've seen them. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I tell you what, you know, when we, we shoot the, the Winnebago system, we shoot Poygan, Winnicani, Butamore, that whole uh, bago, that whole system. And I tell you, on a good spring night, I bet you we'll see two to four flatheads. Not not 15-pound flatheads. I'm talking 20 to 40-pound flatheads that, I mean, their head is like, us thinking Thanksgiving dinner plate. <laughs> and for me, that's a, that's a Friday night, but for a, a fisherman, I mean, that's the fish of a lifetime Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to catch one of those. I mean, they'll be telling their great grandkids about that, you know, it's catfish yeah. owner. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I'm not, you know, so we, a lot of people go back and forth on it, you know, just because it's legal doesn't mean that you have to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like you get six deer tags for a does, you don't have to shoot six does. Yeah, exactly. Just because you can. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, away, that, right away, uh, he looks at me. <laughs> yeah, do, Greg was a doe annihilator this year. So, <laughs> Hey, man, I, I was told if I'm going to be there, I have to shoot deer. There happened to be at least 40-plus deer that showed up here. Anyway, <laughs> topic for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get off the controversy topic, I'm I'm the weird note taker, so I don't forget to ask questions. And then this one is actually farther down my list here. Um, is that the only controversy in bow fishing? Oh sure. no, yeah, that's kind of what I figured. And I'd see if you wanted well, to dive into some of that. Here we stuff. go, turn in the corner. Yeah, buckle up. Here we go. So, Let's do it. No, there's. I mean, as with any activity, you're going to have people that. Um, disagree with the with the the activity um the another big one that's being fought right now is the the buffalo like we mentioned that is a native species to wisconsin um so that does not go to say that they are not overpopulated um and certainly same thing with deer hunting overpopulation can be just as detrimental as an invasive species um so uh, like the, the Wisconsin state record for the big mouth Buffalo carp sucker is like 98 pounds. Oh. Um, and that was, that was shot on P and Castle Rock, that flowage. Mm-hmm. And so the Buffalo is in a unique category of, uh, of fish in general. It's it's in the centurion family, which is a very elite class of fish that will actually grow to be over a hundred years old. So it's not 
uncommon for someone to assume that a fish that weighs 98 pounds, that is, I mean, almost the full length of an adult um, is over 100 years old, which is crazy to think about that you can harvest a fish like you should like we've we've harvested 40 to 50 pound big mouth buffaloes in competitions before that fish is two to three times as old as i am it's crazy it's hard to wrap your head around that and it truly brings um a certain amount of respect to the activity when you're when you can sit there and realize that that fish has been roaming these waters you know longer than your parents have even been together you know um, so that it's, it's very controversial. There's people that will mass, um, annihilate these, these, uh, buffaloes, you know, they'll go in, into a lake and for professional bow fishermen, it's nothing for them to clean out a couple hundred fish in a night without really trying that hard. Sure. Uh, when you have the equipment, you have the shooters, uh, you can really, you can really pull some numbers out. Um, so buffaloes are an issue. There's certain legislation that's attempting to be passed, not only in Wisconsin, but also fellow states. Um, Minnesota actually has some crazy laws going on right now. They're even, I believe they're in the process, or maybe they did pass a long nose gar ban. So mm-hmm. any gar, you could only, you could only, it was a 10 person limit now. Um, which on the Mississippi River, you could shoot 10 gar by you know, five minutes into the trip. Wow. Um, there's an incredible amount of long nose gar, even, I mean, all the state record gar get pulled out of the Mississippi river, you know, some of those flowage, some of the backwaters in there. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you could shoot gar all night. You could shoot a couple hundred gar. Wow. Um, That's crazy. So there's, there's a lot of controversy in a couple different um, topics, you know, specifically any native fish is going to, uh, cause more trouble than like the, the common carp. No one really likes the common carp <laughs> unless you're in like Europe, then they love them. Europe. And I think there's some clubs out East, if memory serves correct, that they, oh, yeah. they are very hoity toity about their carp and. Oh, they fly know. fish for them out there. Yeah. 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 They'll fly fish for carp out. Uh, I don't know where out East, but yeah, they do. That's wild. So do you, do you like, is there any issues with, uh, I believe it's the red horse carp is common to wisconsin or native to yeah, wisconsin the, the red horse sucker certainly is um with the bodies of water i shoot we aren't exposed to that too much if we ever see any sucker it's the white one um so i'm not too up to date on you know where we're at with that um but yeah I, from my experience it has been brought up in the past that those are um they have been an issue sure yeah it's i mean it'd be it's a shame to wipe out you know, accidentally or on purpose, a native species that, you know, used to thrive here back in the day. So just, you know, trying to be cautious about that's always great to hear. Yes. Um, Especially, I mean, when, even if you're starting to go out in the sport, like you gotta, you gotta know what you're doing. You gotta do your research. You gotta understand, you you know, like we talked about the catfish, you gotta read your regulations for the lake. You know, you don't want to slip up and um, obviously be caught on the wrong side of the law. But also, you know, what are you, what are you doing to the ecosystem? You know, yeah. So is is by you taking out uh, a number of fish out of you know, say a thousand acre lake, you're actually doing more good for the lake to uh, kind of open up forage base for other fish. And you know, are you 
did you notice results like that? I mean, I know you can't outfish a lake of carp, but. Right. I would be lying if I say that I've seen, I've personally seen results from bow fishing. I mean, you hear stories of lakes that get shot and people say, oh, you know, we used to be able to walk across the water. The carp were so thick, <laughs> you know, and. And now, you know, it's, it's not that much. So I certainly think that bow fishing will affect it. Um, now, in a big river system like Pete and Castle Rock or, you know, Green, the Bay of Green Bay or Lake Winnebago, nothing we could do could ever affect the population. I don't care how many bow fishermen you have out there every night. You're not going to touch a population. You're not even going to put a dent in it. That's yeah. a lot of water, a lot of backwaters, and a lot of marsh grass and stuff for them to spawn in. Yeah. Um, you'll never never eradicate that entire system unless you poison the entire system out and try to start start over. And in that case, you just ruin the entire environment for the whole fishery. Exactly. Yeah. People get, people have come up with some crazy ideas on how to uh, reduce carp. I mean, those, those aeration walls, those bubble walls, um, you know, poisoning them off. I mean, I did a study I, I uh, presented at the Wisconsin Fishing Expo this spring or uh, this winter. I presented on bow fishing, and the DNR has this crazy study of like 1,500 chemicals they tried to use concoctions to poison these carp. Only like 75 of them were successful in actually killing the common carp. Like they're the most re- – I don't know how they're so resilient. They're just – you know, they <laughs> – it takes a lot to take care of them, you know. Well, I mean, we had a we had koi herpes break out in the Rock River up by Lake Sinisippi, and there was a lot, really? of, a lot of fish dying. This was a few years back now. It was probably 10 years back. But a lot of those fish ended up dying and stinking like no other. Hey. But it didn't kill the entire population off, you know. Some of them were able to withstand, you know, the koi herpes just like, Humans were, you know, able to not get sick from COVID. There's, right. There's always a strain of DNA out there that can resist some sort of virus. Yep. I mean, so that's, I mean, that's a good thing too, is it's, you're not going to wipe out a whole population. There's, it's a sustainable resource. Correct. Like, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Some people say, you know, you're, you're, you're fishing yourself out of a job. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I, I am. <laughs> I beg to differ on that. Yeah. I can tell you, I'd love to have, I'd like to see more fish, bow fishermen out on this lake by me uh, in the middle of the night taken because there's some submarines out there. I mean, there, yeah. there are some big common carp in there. Oh, we might have to give it a shot, Greg. Why? <laughs> Drop a pin. I'll send you a pin. Don't worry. <laughs> to go take her out for an adventure yeah. um so you know we're kind of talking you take people out all the time if somebody was interested in getting into bull fishing what what's kind of like the bare essentials you're going to need um to get into it you know i obviously you don't need a big badass boat like you guys got but you know what are kind of some of the things that you need to get started uh we're talking bare essentials just like greg was saying how he started I mean, you give me 15 minutes in Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, and I could get you a a bow, a reel, an arrow under a hundred bucks in probably 10, 15 minutes. Nice. Um, yeah, you're not going to throw together the 
you know, the perfect setup, you know, it's probably going to be an older compound, uh, old Fred bear recurve or something, but, um, you don't need top of the line to kill fish, you know? Um, you know, the reels, the, the I, I prefer the AMS reels, uh, that mount onto the side of the bow. Um, I mean, used, you can get them for 30, 40 bucks and 10, $15 arrow you can, you can find. And you're, you're out sticking fish before you know it, you know, especially if you have your own bow, you could, you could even purchase a new, one of those new reels for a little over a hundred dollars, have a new reel and you could be out, you could be out fishing and you don't need to do it at night. You know, like you guys said, you do it during the daytime. I love doing it at night. Uh, it's my passion. I love it. I would nighttime shoot hundred times over, over a daytime. Yeah. Uh, Just the amount of boat traffic that goes on in a day, jet skiers, water skiers, pleasure boaters. I don't have to worry about clouds. You know, I just, the wind will always die down. It's just a a consistent uh, fish base as well. They move into the shallows, them shallows, the sand flats and the weeds, they hold the heat from the sun. Uh, So they push up in there and they hold, hold tight for us, you know? So it doesn't take much. I mean, we, I mean, the, the Wisconsin state record common carp was shot by my friend, Zach Seitz, who's a warden now up in the Northern part of the state, 12 foot rowboat with three lights, one light in the front and two lights in the side. One guy shoots and one guy rows. Okay. He He was on long Lake, which is the lake up in the kettle moraine up in here. Common carp, 59 pounds. That's a tank. And he was, they were in high school, and they were in a 12 or 14-foot Mod V rowboat. <laughs> you know? Wow. So you don't you don't need the best of the best. No, you're yeah. just trying to shoot some fish with, right. with, uh, with, with pointy sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you, you, I'm trying to get the viewers who haven't bowfished before. You, you primarily, obviously, you don't hunt for them in deep water. It's all shallow water stuff. Um, yeah. So, so we cruise. So I, the type of propulsion I chose to push my boat is a kicker rig. So I have a 20 horse Merc kicker, uh, and I, I had it designed so the steering is all the way up in the front of the boat. So I have, I call it my sexy stick. Uh, it's a it's a push pull steering stick. It has my throttle, my clutch, my steering, all that on there. Uh, so we we launch the boat and we stay within a foot to three to four feet of water all night long, unless we're going after gar. The gar are those weird, unique fish that will float up on that top, maybe third of the water column. I mean, thirty feet of water, they're going to be five feet and less right up to the surface. And they'll just be swimming along there. <laughs> I have oh. one over in bluegill corner here. Every time I go over there to try and fish for bluegills, he's usually out in that 20 plus feet of water and he's in the top five. It's and crazy. He's up, and anytime someone throws back a panfish that doesn't make it from another boat, he's over there snacking. And really? It's this big spotted gar. He's, he's, I bet he's 32 inches or better. Wow. Yeah. So we have plenty of them out here. <laughs> yeah that's crazy and you go you go fast i remember the first time i went out with you it was like you know when you're trolling and casting lures you're like nice casual pace if i had long hair it'd be blowing in the wind man it felt like we were doing 
you know, three, four, five miles an hour. Oh, crazy. yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of one thing that sets me up now. I mean, in the state of Wisconsin alone, I mean, we have probably 10 to 12 bow fishing guides. Um, it's crazy to think, I mean, especially for someone new to the sport. I mean, you never would have thought, but I am the only guide in the state that runs a kicker rig. Hmm. Uh, and I find that to be my strongest asset. Uh, when I'm out there, I don't care how fast that fish is swimming away. When we're out there, I don't care how spooked the fish are. Uh, we're able to chase them down. You know, it doesn't matter that, I mean, that kicker, I put that kicker through hell. <laughs> I mean, you would believe the impellers I go through. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> couple, but, of, couple of year, I bet. We we chase the fish down. I mean, we're, we're after them. I mean, my goal, obviously, when I, when, when you do good, I do good. So if the fish are skittish and they're moving, you know, no troller rig with a 36-volt, you know, Minn Kota in the front is going to be able to catch up to a 20-pound submarine taken off through the weeds. No. You know, I'll hit that throttle and get up on them. You know, I can run up to, you know, six to eight miles an hour. And right there, I'm on top of her. And you get a straight-down shot at that big old piggy in the water, you know. <laughs> Um, so it kind of sets me apart, you know, it's unique. It is tough. I mean, you got to get your sea legs, you know, I mean, obviously right out the gate, we're not going to go full squirrel on it along <laughs> the shoreline. Um, but you know, I, I've been doing this for a couple of years and I can say, you know, I'm learning to understand what works, you know, how these fish react and what it takes to really get the client on as many fish as we possibly can when we're out there. And part of that is covering water. You know, if I can hit the entire lake compared to some boats only fishing two bays by the launch, you know, I mean, that's, that'll work better for us in the long run. Yeah. Covering, covering a lot of water and you get to see a lot more fish that way. Right. Is there a certain light color that works better or is it strictly white, strictly yellow? Yes. Yeah, so green, whatever. I'm glad you asked. So one of my, uh, uh, the lights that I use, I've ran them for probably five or six years now. They're called Outrigger. Outrigger Outdoors, they're a color-adjustable LED light. So they are insanely bright. Um, I'm pushing on my boat, my 20-foot boat, I'm running 19 of these 160-watt color adjustables. I'm pushing out like 420,000 lumens of light. <laughs> so we see everything. Um, but when we're out there... Uh, color temperature is very, very important. Now, when I started, you know, we had the halogen work lights, those yellow work lights, yep. they were good. And then I went to a, I went, I've been through like seven different light setups. I went to the little circle LED pucks that you get for your truck. Uh, those bright white ones. And I ran 20 of those off a of battery. So I didn't have a generator. Those sucked. <laughs> um, and I found, you know, I'd like to use the the analogy, the comparison that when you're uh, when you're driving your car and the fog gets really bad, most people, you know, if you want to flip your high beams on, yes, you're putting out more light, but it doesn't help you. You know, it actually hinders you. It makes it harder to see, and that's the same principle used for bow fishing. So when you have that deep yellow, that two and a half to three thousand Kelvin yellow light. It's, it's, it's kind of a duller, a more dim light. So when that light penetrates the water, 
it basically absorbs in through the water, through the particulate in the water, and it penetrates the water. So you can see clear, you can see definition, you can see clarity, you can see even the, the contours of the lake as well as the, the, um, the contrast with the fish scales. Um, so it penetrates. Now, when you sh- when you throw out a white light, so these the lights I have are color adjustable. We can go the deepest yellow, two and a half thousand Kelvin HPS color, like a parking lot, and we can go right to the brightest white, almost blue, six K. So if there's any particulate or if it's any dirty water, and you throw a bright white light out, yeah, you're putting out more light. Same thing, you know, when you put LED headlights in your car, you're putting out more light which is great on the road, but when you're putting on more light in dirty water, it's going to hit that particulate like high beams and it's going to reflect back at you. Yep. So you're not going to, you're, yeah, you're putting on more light. Good for you, but it doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. It, it makes it harder to fish. Exactly. Just like putting your high beams on in a snowstorm. Uh huh. But I tell you what, when we, when we hit a gin clear Lake and I flip those lights to the bright white setting, Oh my gosh! Can you see for miles <laughs> under the water? It's incredible. That's cool. So I'm running out of questions. Are you? But <laughs> <laughs> you're answering them like I usually have this problem. I ask one question and I have a couple of leader questions, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'll get to those. But then you answer like every question on you know that I had in one statement there, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is basically what you did. Um, so what, what's your biggest fish? Is that what you mean? Biggest common car, biggest, but what's the biggest one you've gotten, whether it be this season or overall? I'd say the biggest, the biggest fish I've ever shot was a Buffalo carp. Uh, we harvested it on the Mississippi river and it was actually during a tournament. Uh, we competed during the Wisconsin State Tournament Series, which was a, a culmination of, I believe, six or eight tournaments all year long. Uh, and you, it's a point system, so you have to do good in every single tournament. And at the end of the at the end of the tournament, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Um, so the biggest fish was second to last tournament, uh, first fish of the night. The 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 light wasn't even out of the sky. Uh, we had we put all our chips on one spot. We were scouting and we found one. I don't fish Mississippi River. So we scouted the night before. We found one spot that had big buffs. And the, these tournaments are scaled off a big 20 format. So the 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 category we shot in was big 20. So you shoot all night and you weigh your largest 20 fish, that total weight, and you take that weight against everyone else's. Um, first fish of the night, the lights barely were even penetrating the water. And we had a fish, a a school of buffaloes come up. They, they, they ran up into the surface, which is what buffaloes do when they're spooked. They'll rise up into the water column higher and guys alongside of me, we team of four, uh, my friend Hunter shot stuck one, the smaller one, maybe small ish, 20 ish pounder buffalo. (laughs) took off and I look up and I just see this back. I'm talking this back was 14, 16 inches wide. And I look and all I saw was carp. 
So as fast as I could draw, it was right on the surface. The back was almost out of the water. I drew back full draw and I stuck that buff square in the middle of the back. And let me tell you, dude, I have never had a fish spool all of my line out so fast. (laughs) (laughs) We uh, spooled me completely. I I almost had the bow almost flew out of my hands because I ran out of line. Thankfully, I was able, like I said, with the speed of the kicker, I was able to drop the hammer and speed up to the fish. Um, and they dealt with the other fish. I actually, maybe that fish got off that other littler one. And we got up to that fish and all four of us, the three other guys, all four of us got into that big buff. Throw the dirt. I tell you, man, we have never like pulling that fish. We didn't put it on a scale. I'm willing to bet that was a 40 to 50 pound big mouth Buffalo. And (laughs) that's insane. We, we threw that into the boat the first 10 minutes of the tournament, and we're like, here we go. <laughs> here it is, you know? And uh, it was – that was – I mean, I'll never forget the moment. I'll never forget the feeling of, of pulling that fish in, you know? And I had no idea how big that fish truly was until it got out of the water. Same with any fish. You never know until you pull it out of the water, and then it's like, Holy cats, we just did that. There's no shrinkage on that one when you pull it. Oh, gosh, the crinkage <laughs> tried. I don't care how stamp, how far away you stand from the camera. It's big. Uh, but that fish really kind of secured our, uh, our, st- our, our tournament series that year. Uh, that was in 21. Um, I got a little funny story about how we started uh, shooting tournaments that year. Um, we started out beginning of the year i was i was guiding my friend jacob who also had his own 20-foot commercial boat he was guiding with me so we ran two 20-foot boats guiding you know every weekend and the first tournament was mid-april we didn't have any charters yet and i was like i don't know you want to shoot a tournament all right you know we got two boats let's scout it up let's you know put all our our, you know, our chips into it and we did it. And, uh, you know, there were a few bodies of water. We went on a body of water, you know, kind of away from everyone else. Um, cause there, there was a river system and two lakes. So the, the lakes, I guess you're from the area, the lakes were Koshkanong, Sinisippi and the mud and chub. So the rock river there. So that's the rock, the crawfish and the beaver dam. Yeah. All of those culminate together there. Uh, so we went where no one else was. We fought the wind, the rain all night, and we pulled together a big 20 bag that kicked everyone's butt. We, uh, we shot. So if you win first place, you win a hundred points. Second place wins 99, third 98. Um, and then there's a, a, a side pot of some species that's picked that night. Uh, if you, if you get the biggest species, that biggest species, then you, uh, then you get that, you know, you get a point. If you shoot the biggest fish, you get a point. Uh, first tournament, we shot the biggest fish in first place. So we're like, all right, strap up. We're doing it. And we ended up successfully running the entire tournament series that year. So it was, it was pretty incredible. You know, I'll never forget that. So awesome. that's awesome. Well, 
what can you tell us about your your little guide business? You know, where can people get a hold of you? Um, what can they expect? Yeah, so uh, you know, I live in uh, Lamira, right by Fond du Lac, and I cover water from uh, you know the Winnebago system all the way down to Oconomowoc, uh, as far west as Big Green. And what you'll get with me is you'll get some hard work and dedication on finding fish. You know, I put in the work, I scout, I find the fish. I was out finding fish last night. I'm going out tomorrow night to find fish Wednesday night for my charters on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, it's another thing that sets me apart. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I have the, I have Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all the socials. Uh, if you just look up modified outdoors, uh, have a pretty good Google page as well. So even if you Google, you know, bow fishing in Wisconsin or anything bow fishing in Wisconsin, uh, you're probably going to get me to pop up number one uh, on there. Uh, and that'll bring you to my website that has, I have a live calendar right on there. So you can chat with your buddies. You can find a weekend that works and you can go right on my calendar. You can pick a day, you know, put the deposit down and it's locked in. Uh, it's a very smooth, efficient way to do it. Uh, and like I said, I'm on all the socials. I have uh, my phone number is plastered everywhere. Um, so I am always available for a text or a phone call. I'm always around and able to answer really any questions. Even if you're worried about booking, you have some questions, please reach out. I'd be more than happy to, you know, shed some information, even on, even on getting started in the sport. Uh, it's awesome to see other people getting started, even if it's not with me. Um, you know, the more the merrier. I wish everyone would get to experience bow fishing once in their life. Oh, sometimes more than once. I we had a blast when we were out with you last time. Right? <laughs> it's been a long it's, time. I would I would love to go do that again. It's uh, it's addicting. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Greg, you want to ask him about his OKS moment? Since you're the one who usually forgets. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like queuing it up real nice for me matt i had to, I had to throw you a softball <laughs> yeah i know you did you lobbed it underhand <laughs> beautiful it's hanging there and I, i'll try not to whiff too hard hunter do you have an okayest fisher moment that you would like to share with us hey greg i wanted to thank you for asking <laughs> um, wow <laughs> You know, I think my okayest fisher moment had to be uh, when I started fishing down in Illinois a couple of years ago. Uh, we started going down there for the, the the Asian carp, the jumping carp, down on the Illinois River. That's a rodeo. And I tell you what, um, I'm not proud of it, but the first night I went down there, uh, you know, you you see the videos and stuff, and it's you know, it looks like a riot. And I tell you, I've bowfished a couple of years. I went out there, drove down a Thursday night after work or a Friday night all by myself. I had some friends coming the next day, but I got down there at like 11 o'clock. I'm like, screw it. I'm dumping the boat in and I'm going to try to shoot some of these before everyone else, right? <laughs> we get out on the water and, you know, I've been hunting, fishing activities my whole life. You know that feeling when you shoot a big buck and your heart stops and then it's racing a million miles an hour? Um, I launched the boat and I went out there and let me tell you the insanity that ensued in the last couple minutes, um, with the sheer 
hundreds and hundreds of these jumping carp jumping all around in the boat, hitting me. I mean, trying to shoot these fish out of the air. It was a couple minutes into it and I started feeling funny and I was, I just felt weird, you know? And I, I was getting tingly and my heart was racing. I'm like, I I don't know what's going on. And I called my girlfriend and I said, I don't know what's going on with me right now. And she goes, you need, pardon my French. She says, you need to chill the F out right now. She goes, you're having a panic attack. The, um, the excitement that I had was unlike anything I've ever experienced in my entire life. I was so overwhelmed with this craziness. I mean, I, I mean, the excitement was just uncomparable to anything. And I had a panic attack out on the boat. I couldn't breathe. My heart was racing and I felt like a fool. I, I got back to the boat launch. I'm like, what did I expect was going to happen? What, what could have possibly else happened? Like I felt like such a goofball. And I'll, I mean, it's embarrassing, but I'll tell everyone that I'm like, you can't prepare yourself for the excitement when these jumping carp and I actually, I guide down there. Now I even have a few openings left this year for my jumping carp trips down there. Um, it's, 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 I can't, it's hard to describe even now, a couple years later. I mean, I go down there and I get a big smile on my face when I get to hook up the boat and drive it down to Illinois there. It's crazy. That sounds like a riot. <laughs> you wear a football helmet. Tell you what, I learned the hard way. You do need to wear a cup. (laughs) (laughs) I was knocked out for probably a good 10 minutes during a charter one year. I, uh, well, it was just some friends actually, but I got hit and they get, they get you good, man. Let me tell you what, when they're, I mean, when they, when they launch, boy, they launch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, perfect. Greg, should we bring her in? I think we uh, we set the landing gear for sure. Flaps are out. <laughs> and on a high or, note. Or a let, low note, depending on that don't shot let, to the groin. Yeah, don't let, <laughs> don't let the carp hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs>